Well, Greg, uh, we got exciting news. We got an exciting show. Um, but man, we got to tease something right off the bat. Our friend Munya, he's not going to be on the show today because he's out doing historic, I think it's safe to say, scientific work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, I think we've, we've been kind of sitting on this for a while now. Uh, we booked this. We took all the money in the Mechanical Freak account, and we were able to book this expedition for Munya. Uh, and I think we can finally say, Munya is going to the Titanic, baby. This is going to be a very special Mechanical Freak event when Munya reports back on uh, all he's seen and learned uh, down at the bottom of the ocean. Did he find the heart of the ocean? Did he uh, find the drawing of the of the hot naked lady? Uh, only time will tell. And I couldn't be more excited. And I would just love to do just a big shout out to our uh, friends and Everett, uh, who you know the Ocean Gate Expeditions, who were able to set this up for us. Um, all my uh, students working at Electro Impact. Good job, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. And you did a little consulting on the, uh, on the yeah. manufacturing of yeah, the yeah. sub. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I gave them some yeah. uh, some consultation on just some emergency features. And I mean, honestly, who cares, right? Because this thing is locked down, ready to go, no problem. Um, but you know, uh, I, I kind of half-assed it a little, but I don't think it's going to matter. And I'm just thrilled to hear what Munia has to say when he gets back. Munia, bon voyage. Welcome back to the Mechanical Freak, reporting live from the boat. We're all in person today, and uh, yeah, we're on a boat, the boat. <laughs> Mooney is on a different boat from which <laughs> he will report, you know, next week. Okay, uh, a a submersible craft. That is true. That is true. And uh, we got to talk submarines, guys. <laughs> there is a submarine lost at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, those motherfuckers are dead. I don't know what to say about it <laughs> other than that. But guys, um, it, a essentially amateur submarine was built to go down to visit Titanic. And I just want to read uh, these first couple of paragraphs from today's Seattle Times about who's in it. And then we got just we just got we got to talk about this briefly here. All right, so uh, in the Seattle Times, five people are on board a submersible vessel that has gone missing in the North Atlantic dead during an expedition <laughs> to the Titanic shipwreck. The group includes Hamish Harding, founder of the investment firm Action Group and an avid adventurer. The 58-year-old Briton holds three Guinness World Records, including the longest time spent traversing the deepest part of the ocean. He's about to break that record. <laughs> and the fastest navigation of Earth via the North and South Poles by plane. Oh, Hamish. Hamish, by the way, is also a billionaire. They don't mention that in here. But others on the missing Titan vessel include Seattle resident Stockton Rush, founder of Ocean Gate Expeditions. The company that put the trip on down to the Titanic. Apparently, another billionaire. I didn't under. I never heard that name before. What though. a great billionaire name! I just gotta say, Stockton Rush and like, Hamish Harding. I mean, yeah. it's like this whole story is just made up. Like this is the yeah, first this AI like, news story. <laughs> this is like something from a novel. <laughs> and uh, Shahazda Dawood and his son Solomon members of one of the most prominent business families in Pakistan are also on board. Uh, their relatives confirmed in a statement. The pilot of the sub is a Frenchman, Paul Henry 
Nargile? Sure. According to reports. All right. We okay. have uh, a tube full of millionaires of, of billionaires. Of billionaires who, if this scheme was pulled off well, already wrote the checks, like, <laughs> before they boarded. And that includes the founder asshole who got conned into building this by someone who walked away with the cash. <laughs> um, and is gr what's great about it is, is the guy on it is the founder and I'm sure the CEO of whatever little company he made to do this or whatever. And everyone else, the people whose idea this really was, who like, who conned him into this are just employees. So the guy who's like financially and legally liable for these deaths is also dead. <laughs> it's a perfect fucking scam. Yeah. Like uh, hats off to whoever sold this guy and his idiot billionaire friends on giving them just millions of dollars to build and then bring them to their deaths at the bottom of the ocean. It's beautiful. It was, it was Ja Rule, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, that's the secret angel investor that made this whole thing happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the story is incredible because it's literally the stuff of nightmares. It's just a tiny carbon fiber tube. Somebody showed a picture of people inside it. They're just jammed up against each other in this cylindrical tube. Uh, the hatch to it is bolted on from the outside, meaning that even if it surfaces, you can't get out of it. <laughs> um, I, I love the, the the carbon fiber details. Like someone, <laughs> like upsold them on make fu custom fabricating a giant um, composite tube. When like submarines have to be heavy, <laughs> that's they they have to be heavy to sink to the bottom. Okay, <laughs> like that's part of how they work. There's no there's I'm sorry. There's not there's no possible advantage. The building it out of carbon fiber. Well, uh, uh, to give an idea how janky this thing was, I mean, reports have been coming in left and right. One, it was uh, apparently being piloted via a $30 Logitech uh, PlayStation knockoff controller. But to the point of it being heavy, apparently it had two shelves on either side that had iron piping, like construction pipe on it. As ballast. As ballast. And the yeah. way they would lose the ballast is everybody in the sub would just crowd to one side and cause it to roll a little bit so the ballast would just fall off the shelf. Nice. <laughs> what could go wrong, right? Uh, look, I mean, everybody's going to be talking about this. All the details are going to come out, like the fact that the only window is blocked by a shitter, but while you're taking a shit, you can control the pre-programmed music that the CEO has pumped into the Beautiful. thing. What's the local connection? So the local connection is it actually was built in Everett. <sighs> <laughs> and the company's located out of Everett. And uh, some of the greatest uh, aerospace uh, professionals, <laughs> machinists, fabricators in the world, right here. Right uh, well, here. Hilariously, a very prominent Everett machine shop is uh, implicated in the construction of this, we'll say. But in that, in that having happened, Interesting well, information. For them, about it's this. like, oh, they're just going to say, look, we just got diagrams on parts. We never saw the whole plan. Sure. Just like building a Boeing plane. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we do, well, we're only responsible for this one little widget, okay? Uh, Electro Impact actually constructs quite a bit of Boeing planes as well. Interesting. But <laughs> the funny part is that would normally be true if this light being shined on Electro Impact didn't highlight the hijinks of its CEO and cause people to look into the past and realize that. Oh, they took him to court because he would only hire married men for a while. He had to prove you're married what? before he'd hire you. And then the even funnier one, when they took him to court, when he would have uh, applications and resumes, when they would go into Electro Impact, he'd have them photocopied and sent to him so he could personally review it to ensure that the applicant was not Muslim. <laughs> what? <laughs> Holy shit. 
<laughs> so again, yes, if it were any normal shop, it would be perfectly fine. You just say, hey, they paid us to make it. We made it, right? But uh, unfortunately... <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's weird people the whole way down. Now, uh, I did want to read you guys this this little bit from uh, the company's own blog. A lot of people who were, you know, like, hey, you're going to send me to the bottom of the ocean, the most inhospitable place a uh, human can go to. Uh, is this regulated? <laughs> 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 so regulator looked at this. Uh, Coming with the, the, the government bureaucracy and red tape again there, man. Well, it's interesting you say that, Justin, because OceanGate says, look, okay, nobody's signed off, of course, right? But they give, an, they give a reason here, and I'm just going to read this to you guys. When OceanGate was founded, the goal was to pursue the highest reasonable level of innovation in the design and operation of manned submersibles. By definition, innovation is outside of an already accepted system. However, this does not mean that OceanGate does not meet standards where they apply, but it does mean that innovation often falls outside of ex the existing industry paradigm. <laughs> While classing agencies are willing to pursue the certification of new and innovative design and ideas, they often have a multi-year approval cycle due to a lack of pre-existing standards, especially, for example, in the case of many of OceanGate's innovations. Bringing an outside entity up to speed on every innovation before it is put into real-world testing is anathema to rapid innovation. For example, see SpaceX, Blue Origin, and Virgin Galactic. <laughs> well, none of those people have killed anybody yet, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we know they of. didn't say Tesla, which I find interesting. <laughs> Apparently in interviews, this guy does cite Tesla, though. As, I mean, like... This is an AI news story. This is generated. Like, this is generated from left Twitter or something, right? The names are all made up. The story is too stupid. Like, all the details are too funny. <laughs> so, um, all these people are dead. Just to, in summation, everybody in this boat is dead. Uh, well, I mean, they're they're rich enough uh, that I don't care. So. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, well, thank Honestly, you. victimless crime. Yeah, thank you. For, like I said, I mean, hats off. Hats off to whoever's walking away with a bag here. Um, so, you know, thank you for that, Brian. Um, uh, very, uh, you know, uplifting local local story there. You know, we have another uh, bit of local uh, insight to bring you. Um, Brian... Why don't you roll the clip? I'm Brandy Cruz. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your commitment to giving common sense a comeback. Coming up today, there is a clear line between harm reduction and complicity, and it turns out that line might be crack pipes. <laughs> also, we're going to discuss um, some misinformation that continues to be pushed out about Senate Bill 5599, the um, matching referendum 101, which I am in support of. And later in our segment, Unbelievable, maybe my favorite Unbelievable to date, it turns out that an anti-cop activist who was attacking Republicans for the crime of throwing a public safety rally in downtown Seattle used to be a propagandist for the Chinese <laughs> Communist Party. It's delicious. It's delicious. Oh my it's God. delicious. Uh, Brandy's uh, podcast today goes on to once and for all docs Justin Ward, and we have him here today. Justin, how do you answer the charges? Are you or have you ever been a member of the Chinese Communist Party? <laughs> Uh, well, they don't let, uh, like, Americans 
being members of the Communist Party. So God, what a smart party! <laughs> Damn. Damn. Honestly, that's why they stay winning. <laughs> that is yeah. that's winner mindset right there. <laughs> uh, so 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 you were a stooge of the Chinese Communist Party. I was I was I would say uh, a useful idiot. Like, uh, the, the class, you know, as they would say. Yeah. What's uh, Xi Jinping like? What does he look like in a bathing suit? Uh, I don't know. You know, he's. He's got a, he's got a pretty you know strong strong head of hair on him for his age you know <laughs> solid like jet black like it's you know like all the the uh, you know the the Chinese, Chinese leaders. research chemicals <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. they they all they all have amazing you know like fully black heads of hair and they don't dye it either you know it's just like it's just they it's 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 how you know that they're like they have the mandate of heaven <laughs> chosen they're not, balding. They, yeah. they're not balding and not their hair gray. stays black until they die at the age of 105 so, yeah uh, this is the power of Maoism. <laughs> yeah yeah well that's this is the uh the dengest innovation over Maoism, okay, <laughs> yeah. is, the, is the elimination of balding. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. hair related. It's like, <laughs> like you know, Maoism brought you know the keeping the keeping the black keeping the color in your hair, but you know, famously mm -hmm. a, a very very bald man. Yeah, um, and you know, uh, maybe it's out of respect for Mao that no one was able to have. Uh, well, no one was allowed to ever have as cool a haircut again in China as Mao had. Well, you know, in China, what they call that that picture, like the picture of all like the the communist leaders, and mm -hmm. like they call that like the evolution of beards, because it's like you know, progressively, it's like you start off with Marx, big beard, and Marx and Engels, and you know, like Lenin, mustache, and you know, like a little yep. Van Dyke thing, then and Stalin, mustache, and you get to Mao. No beard. So okay. he's like he's like the height of the evolution of beards and the evolution of like mm -hmm. uh, Marxist Leninist Maoist thought. Like you know, well you know it's that thing in like old paintings where whether somebody's bearded or not is a sign of like civilization, oh, right? Yeah. You know, like you know having the beard is a sign of being part of nature and stuff. And uh -huh. this is the yeah the Maoist progression to the hair. Going from the uncivilized man's chin mm. to the civilized man's head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, full, beautiful. You know, we, but we are here with a guest. Uh, we don't got Munia, but we have a guest. Um, this guest, uh, I, I think it's safe to say, I mean, this is more breaking news. He so far has operated a completely anonymous account called Divest SPD. And he, nor, we've had him on the show before. But we've never seen him without a shadow over his face <laughs> and, um, you know, one of those uh, voice things. Yeah, you know, you know the cone of silence voice. is expensive to rent, you know. <laughs> and since Justin's been doxxed now, uh, we thought we'd go without. Yeah, so we're revealing for the first time today Divest SPD's real identity. I did Who are you, sir? Uh, ni hao. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my name's uh, Justin Ward. <laughs> All right, Justin Ward of Divest SPD is with us today. Very exciting. Uh, he's going to tell us what it's like to hang out with Xi Jinping. Well, Justin, why, why are Brandon and Jonathan mad at you? Why are our friends fighting? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, why are they mad at me now? Um, <laughs> as opposed to in the past. It's like in general, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. It's like the other, um, you know, as we know, a um, a woman was, was killed in, in downtown Seattle. 
um, and just like a horrifying daylight attack as you know, she was pregnant. She lost a child. And uh, like then the the natural thing to do, of course, is to like exploit this and, uh, you know, use it to push for harsher penalties, uh, more police, you know, and that's that's what uh, they did, like Republicans did, you know, and I just made a post about this. You know, I was actually randomly uh, scrolling Reddit looking for, you know, bootleg uh, podcast episodes. And <laughs> I came across Seattle, Washington, which I don't I don't like follow because it's like a fucking cesspool of like fascists and, you know, uh, but they had like a um, there was a flyer. It was like a really, really like shittiest, like the shittiest possible flyer you could possibly imagine. It was just like plain black, uh, you know, text on a white background. It said, march to take back our city. And it had all this stuff about like women getting robbed and raped and like, and you mm -hmm. know, it was like, I was like, this is shady as fuck. And even, even the right wingers on Seattle WA, our, our Seattle WA, subreddit even they thought this was shady as fuck <laughs> and so i was just kind of curious like i was like who's fucking trying to do this and are they like even could it be outside agitators <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> no i was like who's who's doing this and it's like you know i i, I felt really like this seems shady i was like they're, they're probably not gonna even get like a very very good turnout or whatever but then i see brandy promoting this shit and it, it, it's changed and it says like uh, the new title is Unite for Safety. And, you know, they took out all the stuff about the raping and the murders and stuff. And, you know, they, they put, like, they made it, they changed the font and they, like, put a picture of her and they spelled her name right. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah, and the funniest detail that you had unearthed is that the the uh, victim of the shooting, Ina Kwan, they had just misspelled her name on this yeah. flyer. They were, they were so concerned about her and what had happened to her, they couldn't be bothered to look yeah. at the news reports or anything. To get the goddamn name right. And, you know, I saw, I saw that and I fired off a tweet. I was like, who's actually running this thing? And then somebody, like, one of the random weirdos with the egg profiles, like, replied to me on Twitter. They were like, oh, uh, Susanna Lee is, is, like, organizing. And I looked it up and I found, like, a Rants article. It was like, okay, Susanna Lee. I looked up Susanna Lee. And I found out she's this lady who lives in DuPont. And she's basically, like, a serial... A uh, GOP candidate who keeps like eating shit and failing like over and over. <laughs> yeah. She's basically Ann Davison. She's like Ann Davison. She like she she's just running for like whatever like fucking office she can get and failing and failing. And then you know maybe in a few years she'll be the the city attorney. I love know? her already. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Greg, you know uh, I am a Texan, right? Born Texan, right? Raised. Justin, uh, yeah. he has had his heart turned by Red China. Um, and I'm also a Texan. So. Uh, yeah, and also a Texan. Turned from Texas to Red China. Yeah. Exactly. Greg, a uh, classic move. Greg, is DuPont in Seattle? Is this uh -huh. a neighborhood? Have I, not, have I not been to DuPont? You know, that's subjective, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's DuPont's, you know, it's uh, it's in the greater, like, Puget Sound metropolitan region, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, it is, it is one hour away, and it is in a different area code, and it is in a different... Uh, county, yeah, but it's like it's like why why should that prevent uh, 
her from coming to Seattle and taking back our city, you know, like, <laughs> well, like that's, that's the trouble with like when you're whoever this person is and you, you want to run as a Republican somewhere forever. And if somehow win, you, you know, and you've been told like, lady, you do not have the juice for Seattle. Like don't even bother. So move, live somewhere you can run that maybe you could get in. And of course she sounds, sounds like she's too stupid to even win in DuPont mm. or I guess that's, <laughs> yeah. um, is that King or Pierce County? Pierce. Pierce. So in fucking Pierce County. Yeah. She, you know, she's too stupid to win in Pierce County. Um, but nonetheless, she's got to keep trying. And like, <clears throat> there's, there is no salience larger, like, um, you know, freak political salience to do issues in <clears throat> DuPont. Right. So you, mm. you, 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 you need to grab some of the Seattle juice, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, uh, I don't even know what the politics fair, are like in DuPont. Like I know, I know that uh, some cop got arrested for DUI there. That's a, that's like my only reference. Wow, that's so intercommunal right there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that I mean, look, uh, we don't know the politics of DuPont because like real Seattleites wouldn't go there if you paid us. Not <laughs> but it is the um, it, it's the curse of the Washington conservative that yeah. they both hate Seattle, but are doomed to do nothing but tie themselves to Seattle yeah, exactly. until they die because of the population distribution of the state, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there was the there was the shooting, and they had the rally on Saturday. Do you and know? the whole group chat showed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know anything about the, can you give us any details about the rally as it happened? Yeah, I mean, I, um... I just like I, I didn't actually go to the rally, but I did see clips of it on Jonathan Cho's like feed. I don't even know if Jonathan Cho went to the rally because I heard he was going to that Linwood thing, like that other like the you know. Well, well maybe before we get deep into it, because wow, why are you so obsessed with Jonathan Cho? Well, first, no, I, I'm obsessed with Jonathan Cho, and I'm, he's I, fucking hilarious. Dude. He's, he's so funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> he rocks. And look, I want to wake up at night and I see him. In his own backyard, like looking up <laughs> oh, at yes. his laptop, and I, I just like <laughs> I'm haunted by that one. Well, look, I mean, uh, I want to give credit where credit's due. I don't want people to think that we're just you know angry, bitter old curmudgeons here. Jonathan Cho, when it comes to conservative journalism, essentially is like the Cy Hirsch of conservative conservative journalism. <laughs> Brandy, when she was trying to out you, and we should be clear, uh, you you've never been anonymous. You no. you, you give quotes to you know yeah. journalists and stuff like that with your real name brandy had put out on twitter uh does anybody know who the anonymous account <laughs> send me send, yeah, yeah. send me to my tip line this information so that i might uh expose them and jonathan swooped into her mentions it was like uh yeah i just googled it real quick it's this guy justin ward and i love <laughs> i just love the juxtaposition of the two styles of journalism yeah there. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just ask your social media uh, followers versus Googling. Those yeah. are the two genders of conservative journalism. And because Cho was willing to like spend the 35 seconds approximately to type in at Divesta SPD into Google um, and then go through maybe a minute to go through the results. Yeah. Uh, essentially, we just give him a journalism award, honestly. Yeah. Like, that's pretty impressive. But no, the thing is... Cho actually, I, I believe, already knew all this shit because he he's been doing this like weird shit where he, like, he mentions like that I'm like upon a. He's said this before, like he's just a little bit kind of like needling me. Where he's like, 
oh, you're a, you're a pawn of the like the Chinese communists and said like. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, dude, just, you know, tell me you found my LinkedIn profile or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it, whatever you got to say about me, just fucking say it. Like, I don't give a shit. I really <laughs> do not care. Like, it's like, <clears throat> like, what, what the fuck are they going to do? Are they going to, like, tell my boss about it or, like, whatever? Yeah. It's like, I'm a freelancer and this is all on my resume. And, like, every <laughs> yeah, single yeah. person who... That's why they hired they me. Read you, <laughs> they're doxing you by reading your LinkedIn. It's yeah, very, it's exactly. Yeah. Well, that, I, I like the in their mind, they're just like, yes, China has sent a sleeper agent to <laughs> Seattle to mock uh, two of the fucking dorkiest journalists in the <laughs> biggest quotes possible journalists in the city, uh, to lower their YouTube views from 800 to 600. <laughs> you know? Like, well, like, a master plan. G, you got all all your bases covered. I think it's also just like, you know, and so Brandy really talks about you for like maybe two or three minutes later in the podcast. And like the whole substance of it is, yeah, reading your LinkedIn, a couple of tweets where you're like, yeah, I, I worked for Chinese state media. And I, the whole thing is like her mind is blown. Right. <laughs> it's just like she's the just largest like, employer in the world employed somebody, right? But because no, but it is perfect. It's like there because so often, like, right? She asked the question, like she she had like a she took like somehow some kind of emotional ownership. It sounds like of this March thing, right? Like they they got to her and she she maybe uh, the her group chat maybe helped them glow up a little, mm. you know. And then she promoted it and went down there, uh, you know, to hang out with her buddies like Mike <laughs> Solon and like and this uh, DuPont lady. And then she had this, you know, having this owner, this, you know, connection, this ownership. She had like this journalistic instinct was like, who's this one of probably, you know, 100 Twitter accounts like uh, dogging on this this trashy little like like march down the street of 35 assholes. Mm -hmm. And. She's like, I'm gonna get to the bottom of who this is, and imagine her surprise when it when the answer comes back actually something cool. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Holy shit! It's an actual agent of the Chinese Communist Party. Like that's too good. That's the that's like the best. That's like because it usually comes back like, oh yes, the committed local advocate who disagrees with me about a bunch yeah. of shit. Who's like always Guy like who worked on Atomica. <laughs> no, they still don't care who we are, Brian. Okay. Uh, and it's like it's too good. It's it's too good. It's like it's it's what she has always wanted, like, and it just blows her mind. But she has nothing else to say about it. Right. She's just like what? doesn't that uh, call into question, you know, uh, the his, this person's you know good faith or something? It's like <laughs> shut the fuck up. They are responsible for, I think, a lot of the traction among a small group of Seattleites online when they talk about an anti-police sentiment, when they attack people like me, when they attack people like Susanna. So again, here you have a guy who thinks he's holier than thou, fighting back against the police, vilifying a woman, a Korean American, who wanted to hold a rally in honor of another Korean American who was murdered in broad daylight along with her unborn child, her husband shot, a business owner. He wants to act like he has the moral high ground. Like, oh, their intentions can't possibly be pure. They're Republicans. And at the same time, what are his intentions? He worked for the Chinese Communist Party pushing out propaganda and he's proud of it. <laughs> no, she I mean she calls me like she calls me like a Chi like a propagandist for the Chinese Party. Like like Chinese Communist Party. I'm like 
if you only knew like the kind of like dumbass shit that I edited, like <laughs> it was so fucking like shitty and like nobody reads this shit. Like I worked for like I mean, okay, I worked for a grand total three different state media operations. One, yes, I mean she mentions this in the uh thing. One was like People's Daily Online. But People's Daily Online is such a joke, and nobody fucking reads it. <laughs> I mean, and I was a copy editor. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, You're about to get a bunch of, uh, like, uh, you know, teenage Stalinists on Twitter. Very right. mad. You're reading People's Daily every day. But no, I remember, okay, like, one one article I edited, uh, w- like, I, c- I can't even, like, imagine, like, what, like, Chinese word that they were translating there. But, like... The funny thing about People's Daily is it has like a surprising amount of like T and A on People's Daily. Like, Hell yeah. They were like one of the articles was like, cause I think they were like translating Chinese articles, like there was kind of like clickbait, you know? Mm-hmm. And like one was like the uh the college campuses that have like the most uh beauties. That like this was the literal yes. like the most yes. beauties. That's like Ooh, which, they, which one was it? I can't even remember. <laughs> I can't remember. But the funny thing was is like the metaphor that they use, they they said it was like it was like a concentration camp of beauties. Oh. <laughs> like, and I do not know what word that they're like. I mean, I'm sure there's some phrase that they're translating from yeah. Chinese. What probably makes sense. It makes in, sense like, in the cultural Chinese. Yeah. and you know whatever idiom. <laughs> but yeah. they translated it in concentration. <laughs> I was like, oh, hold on. Wow, the Ministry of Truth over here, like cleaning up, cleaning up the news. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're the Chinese. Communists are rounding up all the honeys and keeping them in camps. <laughs> all and, the beauties. And Justin country. here is making sure that information doesn't get out. And to the yeah, public. it's hidden. I, I I softened it, and you know. Uh, and in this Dachau, it's all tens, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, and the other thing was like after I left, like a, a couple of years after I left uh, People's Daily Online, which is mm-hmm. you know as Brandy says, it, it is, it is like the party newspaper, People's Daily. Yeah, yeah. And this was like it was called Renmin Wang uh, is like the the website of the newspaper. So, yeah, and uh, like a few years after that, they ran some story about uh, that was from the Onion about <laughs> about it was like Kim Jong uh, Kim Jong Un being named the sexiest man alive. <laughs> and they actually ran that. You know, they didn't have me there to, uh, to <laughs> explain say what the Onion was. Yeah, all right. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I did. I was a copy editor. And, like, it's just so funny for them to, like, hype this up and then be like, he worked. Mm. He was directly on the payroll of the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I fucking was. I I was on the payroll. It was a fucking great job, dude. I worked Mm -hmm. at China Daily. I got a fucking free apartment on site. I walked to work. Every Damn. day. <laughs> Labor aristocracy. That's what we're hearing. I was fucking rolling. I paid off. Corruption within the party. I paid off my student loans in eight years, 40000 because I live cheap. So, you know, it's like, who's fucking laughing now, you know? <laughs> it's like, I lived cheap for like eight years. I had a good time. I traveled all over the place. Like, yeah. I had a good job. Like, you know, I met some nice people. Xi Jinping. I met she, <laughs> I, I didn't meet Xi Jinping, but my girlfriend, my longtime girlfriend, whom I moved to Seattle. Wait, with, did did she meet him at the honey camp? The honey <laughs> camp. The concentration, concentration, <laughs> of, concentration camp with all the honeys. No. All the beauties. No, she's, the thing that she the only thing that she said about Xi Jinping was that he was very like 
on point, like at meetings, and he could just like talk for like hours. That was, that was basically like the, the only thing she told me about shooting. Mm-hmm. Oh, sh- he should do a podcast. What am I saying? He probably does have a podcast. Yeah. Oh, that that brings me to like another People's Daily story that I read that was funny. It was like some kind of about some kind of regulation where they uh, where they limited speeches at like political meetings to like two hours. Dude, oh my god, like that is that's legislation you need to have and you can live with. Well, if you're, get those numbers down. If baby. you're running a revolutionary state, yes, yeah, get those numbers down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. God, if you have to make the rule. No more than two hours. You you had a problem. (laughs) There was a a malice group based out of New York that when they had meetings, they had a strict, I think it was two or three minute rule. And they literally had somebody with a timer that would tell you to shut up. And I always thought that was the coolest thing anybody's ever done in a meeting. I was like, everybody should adopt this principle. Like, like when the timer went off, they're like, you have to shut up now. I don't care. Like, <laughs> it would stop me like mid sentence. I'd be like, you have to shut up now. Sorry. Sit down. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, back to the story at hand. So they have this rally on Saturday. All our friends are down there, right? We got Brandy down there. We got Mike from uh, Spog down there. And Davison. And Davison down there. And, and like, and like maybe five Asians tops. Like. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So that's an important point, right? Is. This whole thing is being billed as like a Central Park Five moment, but for like the Asian community. Right. Now, you know some of the details of the actual shooting, uh, which is you know maybe we can get into why the conservatives were salivating over this so much. Mm. Is that uh, yes, they shot a woman who was pregnant, and then the person who shot them was of course black, right? Mm. And so uh, they were just salivating over being able to redo their own Central Park Five kind of tough on crime thing. And they decided that they were going to go with this thing of uh, this is a war on Asians right now. Yeah. Of course, the subtext being by black people, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. which has a very disgusting history, by the right. way. Yeah. You know, um, so that was the pitch, right? And they were able to rally like eighty people. <laughs> look like you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Seattle Times claims three hundred. Their own pictures. Come on, I gotta say, bullshit. I gotta bullshit. say, their own pictures don't look that. that I. <laughs> I mean, I have some experience estimating crowd size for the like, Chinese government. For the Chinese government, yeah, you know, like uh, hey, that's that's real work over there. I know, yeah, they got some big. They got some big ones. But no, I mean, like you could sit. You could literally like. Get an exact count you could of count like from you could photos. count like, like it was it was yeah. like maybe fifty tops like <laughs> like I that's so so but you know like everybody was saying like they're all saying hundreds and like Cho was saying hundreds I'm like no dude no <laughs> you can't you can't just lie about shit and then make a video that directly contradicts. The thing that you're lying about, like well, I'm sorry. Like that, what was that well, Trump you inauguration? Look stupid. Well, like the Trump inauguration, where he's like, "Is the biggest ever, hundreds of thousands. <laughs> and then there's like a photo, and it's just like empty. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, man, people took fo- like this is the modern era. Somebody took a picture. You can't yeah. just say that shit, man. And like, look, fa- fair is fair. Like, lie about your numbers, do whatever you want, but you you look stupid. That's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so they're down there, and some people I, I saw online noticed some very peculiar things at the rally, like. They all seem to have signs printed at the same print shop. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly. I mean, and the it's thing. It's called organization, Brian. <laughs> God, I wish we had it. <laughs> and the thing was like the, the the signs like weren't even saying anything. They were yeah. like safety now. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like the type of stuff if you're like, if you had a demonstration like in the background of, of a like movie. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like made up like 
bullshit. And and that was the funny thing is too, like, because Brandy has gotten like two days, two whole days worth of content out of this, like, because she she interviewed the lady like yesterday, mm-hmm. and she was like, they're saying all kinds of things about you, and like blah blah blah. They're saying like you don't care, and and she and you know the the woman uh, Susanna Kilman uh, was like. Uh, you know, we need concrete policies and stuff like we don't just need slogans. And then she didn't say any fucking like policies. Like, <laughs> look, what the fuck are you talking about? We, like, we make fun, but in forty years, <laughs> our civically minded nerd grandchildren are going to be asking, uh, "Pappy, do you have any safety now buttons from back in the old days?" <laughs> <laughs> that campaign that swept the state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. The the signs, I mean, it's one of those things we talked about, like, we talked earlier off mic about how maybe Brandy just doesn't have that killer instinct you really need to have to be a true conservative, like, media person. But even the rally itself, it's like, this is not the true, like, killer instinct that they, like, again, in the aftermath of the Central Park 5 uh, incident in New York, right, Donald Trump took out, like, a whole ad mm. in the New York Times where he's like, these people have to be executed. <laughs> like, yeah. like, these children yeah. who were arrested, all of which were innocent, yeah. need to be executed immediately, right? And that's the kind of, like, psycho shit that you have to say to, like, really get the conservative juices well, going because they're essentially animals. As we, you yeah. got to give them no, the red yeah. meat, you know? Yeah, which is why this shit, you know, uh, won't play. Yeah. But, like, you know, or as we've sort of vaguely theorized, it seems like Brandy, like, led them on a little glow up here, you know? Yeah. And it's like, this is her brand of, like, reasonableness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, but this is a whole, this again, she does not have the killer instinct because this is a whole, like, brain disease that conserve, like, a small portion of conservatives like her have picked up from idiot liberals and, like, yeah. bought, you know? Like, they're just so in, they're just so inextricably, like, um, in dialogue with liberal America that like they've picked up and bought the the line that like everyone really just wants like a reasonable centrist approach. And so the conservative version of that is to, to is to talk about a bunch of is to like present everything very reasonable and centrist and when it's really just, you know, right wing. And to care shit, about things like, like hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's definitely. I mean, if you'd have to like put a label on it, it's it's like Lincoln Project conservative or yeah, never yeah, yeah. Trump conservatism. You know, that, dude, that, that's what Brandy Brandy is a fucking West Wing conservative. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, yeah. That is she is like the the mirror image of all of that whole brand yeah. of like Obama liberalism. Just she's a bigger asshole. Yeah, she's the uh, the guy that President Michael Sheen debates using Bible quotes about whether like gay marriage is okay or not. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, uh, you have you've shown hypocrisy, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's to, to bring it back to like why she's attacking me now and like what role that plays. It's just like she, she wants to like frame this too. It's like the same like hypocrisy type thing. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you want to attack this woman who is just like a, a you know, a Korean American standing up for her community. You want to like question her motivations. Well, what are your motivations, Mr. Communist China? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so this gets to another interesting point, right? So, okay, okay so they wanted to do this uh, like stop Asian hate gambit, right? Yeah. Now, the problem is when you're doing this as a conservative is your entire base fucking hates Asian people. <laughs> and yeah. so it didn't take very long into the mentions of all these things where they try and like, you know, Brandy or whoever would be trying to like get the conversation go like, you know, uh, this, yeah, this Korean American woman is doing this thing, you know, and uh, Asian people are being targeted. 
And then, yeah, if you came up whatever, anything else, it'd just be like, oh, yeah. And the, of course, the, uh, you know, you know, whatever's in China or whatever, like the anti-China sentiment, which is kind of like seeping up through like all the floors. Yeah. It's like, uh, what do you think the source of anti-Asian hatred in America is? Like, <laughs> like, you know, it's in your mentions. It's your entire yeah. like listening audience. Right. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, it was interesting. You know, that was the sort of like over, you know, the the outward social media discourse. But I want to kind of get into what was said at the rally itself to maybe get at what uh, this might have actually been about. Dun, dun. Mm. So I, I have some quotes from the, I pulled some quotes from the Seattle Times here. Uh, so this is from Kielman herself, the organizer. Uh, when she was giving her speech, she said, quote, the sad thing about this is that it was 100% preventable. It was preventable because of policies recently passed that have now legalized crime. If crime and drugs were still illegal, this would have been preventable, right? So we get piece number one. <laughs> I mean, like, you want you want to be taken seriously. They're asking to be taken seriously. Is like this is like about this dead woman, and then you're, and then you say like completely ludicrous shit like that. Come on. Well, but you know, in her um, in her Facebook post like advertising this thing which i found is like she she goes off on kind of this weird tangent about like all sorts of other just like conservative things it's like oh asians are being taxed too much asians like businesses suffered under covid you know it's like it just starts to sprawl like whenever she tries to like you know going back to you know what i said earlier is you know she tries to like manifest this into policy she's got like literally like fucking nothing yeah you know like yeah, her policy seems to be uh, stop taxing small businesses. And uh, luckily, there were some other speakers that I think had some uh, policy interests that are a little more uh, close to home for our, our listeners, right? But yeah, so, you know, other important speakers at the event cited by the Times were Jane Powers and Tom Graff. Now, they first cite that Powers had a pretty sweet sign uh, that said, Andrew Lewis, how many have to die? And then they, how the many Times Andrew report, Lewis's have to die <laughs> for Seattle? And then the Times says, together. Powers then used a felt pen to highlight Lewis, saying, because he voted against enforcing laws or enforcing laws against open drug use, right? So, again, we're getting to this thing about like, uh, okay, so maybe this isn't so much about this woman who got shot, yeah. <laughs> right? Maybe this is just conservative beefs with the Seattle City Council. And, well, I gotta, like, just point out real quick here that in the past 12 months, downtown, two people have been murdered and cops have been there on the scene yes. to witness them get murdered, okay? So there are already, like, dense enough police downtown for people police to be actually there to like witness murders like how how much more police do we need before they they start like deterring murders it well, sounds yeah. like the system is working those <laughs> cops will be able to testify in court as witnesses <laughs> oh unless they're uh, on one of those lists that show how you know that they lie under oath all the time um, <laughs> and this particular, that, this particular murder, for. that's what they're there for. This particular murder occurred three blocks from West Precinct too. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I think too, like I, you know, they did the obvious deep dive into the, uh, suspect who they think shot them and, you know, he has an arrest record too. So it's like police have already encountered this man and yeah, somehow this incident still happened. Mm. Right. So again, it's like you got the thing you wanted. 
this guy's been arrested, right, before in the past, whatever, right? And this thing still happened. But he wasn't executed, Brian. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's where we get to the point of what they actually want, which right. is total execution of all suspicious individuals read black. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like they, they want some kind of like habitual offender, like statute, like three strikes. Mm -hmm. uh, but for like misdemeanors, like, okay, yeah. so like if you do three, uh, you know, you three like trespassing or, you know, sleeping in public or like whatever, like illegal burns, it's like, okay, that's fine. You're in life. Off prison. to carousel yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and this guy, I mean, you know, uh, you know, there were, there were some potential problems for some of the case they were making here in the sense that. This does appear, while most crime is, you know, interpersonal crime is between people who know each other, mm. this is, like, one of those weird, nightmarish, like, totally random acts of violence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he appears to have a screw loose, had people, you know, voices were talking to him, and mm. he just randomly sort of lashed out in violence, which does lead to the question of, how is that preventable vis-a-vis -vis the criminal justice system? Right. You know, like that, like literally nothing can prevent that in the within the bounds of the criminal justice system. Yeah. You know, I'll just say this. I mean, this is probably something also too that like if like that, that like Brandy or Cho would like make a big deal about like if they ever found out about. And it is actually something I've written about on like Medium. Like I've been the victim of random violence twice since I came to Seattle mm -hmm. within a span of about six months. In the U District, just and it's like people, just like random people. Because if you go to the U District, I lived in the U District for like most of my most of the time that I've lived in Seattle has been in the U District. And the U District is like you know the, the ninth circle of hell. Like it's like people are just like wandering around, <laughs> yeah. like screaming at the top of their lungs, like angry. They you know they're mentally ill. They're they're suffering, and it's like. What what the fuck can police do to like address that? And I mean, I was like assaulted twice. I was assaulted just randomly. Somebody punched me in my fucking face, like randomly. And it was all in the same place. It was by the Petco on Forty Fifth. Don't <laughs> you, go to the Petco, guys. Don't go to the Petco on Forty Fifth. <laughs> no, it's 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 bad news. But I was punched randomly. I fucking you can see the the, the scar on my chin, mm. busted my chin open. I had to go to the hospital and. I didn't want to take a fucking ambulance. I I, I took the bus. I took the bus God, to the urgent. America, yeah. What a country. I took the bus to the urgent care center. My fucking chin is just openly, like, I have an open wound just, like, bleeding. And, you know, it's like, because I didn't want to pay for the ambulance. But, yeah, and I didn't call the cops either because, like, what the fuck are they going to do? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this all happened on 45th Street. It's like, I see so many cops in U District, which is, like, a police state. Oh yeah, it's mm. it's a literal like fucking police state, and there's like five different types of cops. There's there's like university police, SPD, King County police because there's you know the the, the stop there. There's like security guards. There's Transit. all yeah yeah. There's just like all kinds of fucking police in that neighborhood, but I didn't really like still feel safe. You know, it's like because there's really nothing people can nothing the cops can do besides put somebody in jail. That's yeah. all they can do, For or involuntarily commit them. Yeah. You know? And it's like, the issue is we don't have anything to do with people with these problems. Like, yeah. we don't have those resources. Like, yeah. you can keep talking about all this bullshit about, like, what the laws are. Like, you know, the cops aren't allowed to do their jobs. Or we don't have enough of them. Or this bullshit. Or, like, oh, we're going we're gonna to offer treatment alongside shit. And it's, it's all horseshit. 
until you make a massive investment in the social state in this country. Like, it's just, it's all horseshit. Yeah, I mean, every city in America, and now, you know, every small town is is home to these, you know, great concentrations of, like, poverty, man. You know, yeah. just, like, the sort of deepest poverty. And, you know, I mean, these people think you can arrest your way out of it, but, like, you know, L.A. County has 100,000 homeless people in it mm. on its own. You know? Like, how are you going to arrest your way out of that, right? How many, uh, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, they continually come back to the idea of concentration camps, right? But... Uh, you know, this gets to the point. So, so uh, Graf, who is the other big speaker they had, this is this is his uh, speech, the snippet that the Times gives. Uh, so Graf talked about the alley behind the CVS. Quote: Tents and drug use, one hundred feet from where the murder took place. I don't think that the guy who shot is, is homeless, by the way. At least that's up in the reporting. I've been working here thirty years. But they were there. There was there <laughs> yeah, was exactly there were right. poor people nearby. Yeah, it's a classic uh, yeah. classic gambit. I've been working here thirty three years and have never seen street behavior this bad. We have complained to the city council directly to the mayor's office. No action. By the way, he's been working here thirty three years. He's definitely seen higher crime rates downtown than he is seeing right now. But but again, I mean, it gets to the point of like this whole thing just being cynically used. Uh, to go back to that old like whipping horse of what are we going to do about or, you know the visible poor and how do we mm. get rid of them not not in a humane way like I don't know give them housing or anything like that yeah. services now I will mention that Jane Powers and Tom Graff the other two big speakers here this might speak to the point of uh, what was actually going on at this rally uh, Powers is a res residential broker at Ewing and Clark and Graff is the president of a real estate company no way always <laughs> no, I'm so surprised <laughs> yeah shock of all shocks it's real estate scams all the way down but that's you know it gets to the point of like um you know uh like it it's something that like brandy brought up too whenever she was interviewing this woman who organized the rally she was like uh was like well oh public safety is 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 right wing then i guess like blah 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 like, <laughs> i was like yeah well i mean if, if if your definition of public safety is cops and prisons yeah. and jails and it's like yeah then i guess public safety is right wing but there's but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like throwing people in prison because you don't like them. Yeah, it's traditionally a pretty right wing viewpoint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like law, quote unquote, law and order. It's like, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. That, that, that's been a traditional right wing issue. Yes. Yeah. I honestly, um, she's being earnest when she says, she's a dumb person. <laughs> she's being earnest when she says that. She She's like not aware of like, oh, Nixon's pivot to law and order. Or this, these are thoughts that have never hit Brandy's brain. <laughs> you know? But yeah, but I mean, it's like, you know, but it, whenever it comes down to it, like I said earlier, is is they don't have any sort of policy prescriptions. Mm -hmm. They don't have any fucking evidence. They don't have anything. It's like they don't have any plans to like actually ha uh, deal with this stuff. They they haven't looked at like countries or cities that actually have dealt with this stuff effectively and like what they did. And you know, like say Lisbon and Portugal, you mm -hmm. know. Or just like any number of European cities that have uh, adopted harm reduction and have treated um, treated substance abuse as a, a health issue rather than as a criminal punishment issue, like they just kind of hand wave away all all that shit. It's like because it's 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 because it, they're not like seriously no, talks, no. debating this in good faith. They they're trying to get to concentration camps. Yeah, exactly. It's like, huh. yeah, they, they, they don't want to fix the issue. 
They don't want to fix the issue. And, you know, well, even use it to get rid of the pores and yeah. clear out neighborhoods and, and redevelop, you know? Well, yeah. The, the big thing now is like, uh, the big right-wing AstroSurf group uh, now, I think, is like the, the, the modern Tea Party. is like We Heart Seattle, like the recovery people. Mm -hmm. You know, the Michael Schellenbergers. The, what is the, <laughs> that guy? Is it Thomas Wolf, Tea Wolf, or whatever? You know, they're, they're all like kind of situated on the West Coast, San Francisco, Seattle, Portland. And, you know, it's all like, oh, we got to get people into recovery. And it sounds really good, like, on its face. It's like, oh, they're they're advocating for treatment. You know, but they don't really, like, care about all that shit. You know, they don't care about actually getting people care. They just have to, like, say that, you know. What yeah. they really want is they want to um, authorize the criminal punishment system to round all these people up and put them in jail, you know. Yeah, and, it, you, you, and if you have to now, if they've... Come to the point politically where they have to acknowledge that part of that system has to have some step that you can gesture toward that sounds like it's treatment, but is actually like everything else that's on offer, like like for people who are on the street for whatever reason and whatever with whatever problems is a shitty option that sucks and that isn't going to work for them. And everyone knows that. And so uh, and is hard to get anyway. And thus, oh, what do you know? Most people just end up, yeah, in prisons mm -hmm. that are, are already full. And so, I guess, next step? Yeah, well, I think, you know, some of the, the uh, like, language they use, like, the, the whole, uh, they've legalized crime gambit. I mean, which is... <laughs> it's, a, it's, beautiful, it's a beautiful, it's, poet, yeah. it's poetry, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, so there's things that you really have to be a true moron to, <laughs> to believe because uh, there's cops everywhere, people being arrested all the time, right? Uh, we like, imprison more people than any society in the history of the world. Yeah, and, and honestly, like, to be an American is, you know, particularly of a certain class, is to have, like, relatives in jail <laughs> in various yeah. parts of the criminal justice system, right? So it's like, yeah, like, you no, know... <laughs> Excuse me, my family gets away with our crimes. Okay? <laughs> oh, like a Greg over there. <laughs> I, I, I come from a long line of shysters and petty criminals. I've never heard of anyone <laughs> so much as spending a day in, in jail. Okay, there you go. Greg's part of the labor aristocracy. I, mean, I got two labor aristocrats with me right now. No, uh, but anyways, uh, the point being is they they have to kind of play this game or whatever. Because essentially they're selling a very old idea, which is like, let's just keep doing the same thing we've always done, but somehow this time it's going to work. Yeah. And, you know, it was interesting because I'm mentally ill. I was, you know, spending the last few days reading lots of L.A. Times articles from the 1980s about homelessness. Mm. And all these same arguments were being made. All the same council members and, you know, movers and shakers in L.A. were saying, oh, of course. I mean, we got to have like funding for some sort of treatment mm. and stuff for the homeless. But what got funded? LAPD, you know, like what got funded, you know, bum proof benches and, you know, hostile architecture and all that. And none of that other stuff ever got funded, right? Yeah. And miraculously, they went from an estimated homeless population of 50,000 in the 1980s to doubling it now, right? And it's like, oh, but it's not, it's not, it's not housing though. It's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not that the housing got more expensive. It's just that there's like super drugs now and <laughs> yeah. know, people are more addicted to them. Like, or yeah. Whatever. It, the homeless prices got worse in every city where the housing prices went up, but housing has nothing to do with it you know and i mean it's and it's about a sort of remaking of the city and things like that but uh you know we're, we're far you enough can do that you can you can use this and people's frustration people's fear of it to remake the city to move populations to increase the power and 
penetration of the police state to redevelop areas for your various uh, quintessentially American real estate scams. And you can do all that without uh, like solving the problem ever. Yeah. And no one will notice or care. Yeah. You know, because these, these, we've had drugs and homelessness and all this shit has been a problem in America forever. And it always will be. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, one of the great documentaries about, like, urban poverty and homelessness is literally shot in Seattle Mm -hmm. in the 1980s, you know. Um, So, But, yeah, I mean, I I think it's interesting. I mean, they kick the can down the road enough that they have to, like, constantly reinvent the old as if it's a new idea. Mm. And it's just, I mean, I say it's such a stupid gambit that, like, uh, crime's legal now. You know, nobody gets arrested anymore. But, fuck, man, if I don't hear my coworkers and stuff say that, <laughs> you know, like it does appeal to people. Apparently, you know, it's, it's insane. I mean, it, yeah, it's a perfect political construct because it's, it's just brain dead enough to be intelligible to everyone. You yeah. Know? And like, and I'll you, know, you can't, it, you can't say that crime went down too, because people are like, Oh, well, crime's just legal now. You know, of course yeah. it went down. Like, you know. well, they just stopped reporting it. <laughs> they stopped <laughs> reporting it. You know, one. there's always, yeah, there's always some kind of like explanation for that. You know, <laughs> crime <laughs> can only go up. Like, yeah, yeah, it can only go up, right? Well, I mean, that's the funny thing. I mean, because you get all these quotes like this guy in here is like, oh, I've been here for 33 years, and you know, the crime has never been this bad. And it's like, no, it's worse. Yeah. Like significantly, it's gotten better every year of those thirty-three years you've been here. Like the crime situation has gotten like. Well, yeah, I mean, they just like, mean visible poverty. Yeah, that's all they. That, mean. And that's that is the actual. Yeah, yeah, that's the rub, right? When we say crime, we mean visible poverty, right? And uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's bleak. It's bleak. But I mean, like the solutions too, though that they're they're. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what's kind of funny is that like conservatives are considered. You know, they always like to think of themselves as. Like, one, uh, advocating for smaller government, and two, like, advocating for, like, fiscal responsibility. And it's like, what's more fiscally irresponsible than, like, using policing to, as, like, a Swiss army knife to do, like, literally, like, fucking everything? You know, it's like... Is their only social response to, like, anything that happens inside the city? Yeah. Right, because when we were talking earlier about uh, treatment and, like, the sort of, like, astroturf right-wing treatment movement is, like... Their big, their big pitch or their big like policy solution is like to like allow more involuntary commitment. And then yeah. you know, just recently in the Seattle Times, they did a story about this like hospital, mental health hospital treatment, uh, like closing down. And then you know, it gave a, a list of like like how many like hospital beds for specifically for involuntary commitment. It's like four hundred yeah. in the whole city, yeah. you know, or I think it was in the whole county even. And it's like there are 5,000 unsheltered homeless in the county. And then like about a third of those or about 1,800 people have like substance abuse or mental illness. So it's like, you know, it's like four times, more than four yeah. times the the number of beds. So it's like you're going to have to like one, you're going to have to scale up the hospital beds. You're going to have to scale up the courts. You're going to have to scale up the cops. It's like. You know, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to do the thing that you want to do or that you say you want to do. And, you know, that you say is also common sense. Yeah. That you say, oh, it's just common sense. We just need to lock these people up and we'll get them treatment, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like that costs money. Yeah. It costs money. Are you going to raise taxes? Like, obviously not. 
It's like you're not you're not calling for increased taxes to fund like all this shit that you want to do that costs money. You're just like you have this like idealized version. It's like oh, it's it's going to be this completely like frictionless process where you know Ann Davison charges the person for like smoking fentanyl at the bus stop, and then they. You say, okay, you either go to jail or you're going to get treatment, and they get treatment, and the treatment works, and then they get a job and they're out, you know, like they're a productive member of society again. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, no, that's not like how shit actually works in the real world. And it's like we have all this evidence <laughs> that shows that that's not going to work, you know, yeah. but let's spend like billions of dollars. Just, it, you know. It'll work to harass poor people, yeah. Yeah. to move populations, and to, to, Expand the power of the police while defunding other civic, you know, institutions, which is the real right wing game. You know, yeah. it's just it's that it's it's oppression of the poor and uh, labor discipline and a backstop against labor unrest. Yeah. You know, it's like that's that's what allows all this to go on, even when it doesn't make any sense. You know, when it doesn't have any coherence really on its own terms, is that it all ultimately serves the needs of capital. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe before we, we head off of this, I, I you know, I, I certainly had this first thought when, you know, this march was getting declared and all this, you know, they were trying to whip up all this fervor about it. Um, and I and I certainly saw some other people on Twitter had it too. But, uh, it, you know, given the nature of the crime and the victim and everything like that, it did leave you with all the calls for we need more police. I felt I was just like, well, what about Charlena Lyles? Yeah. You know? Like, what about that? Like, what about when the cops are the ones shooting the fucking pregnant women when they show yeah. up? You know, the part that we're, we're never allowed to talk about when we talk about investing in the police. Yeah, a lot right? more people marched for her. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Well, it, I think they probably felt something of a, um, a sincere honesty in the organizing of that march versus a deep and gross cynicism. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, um, it, that that's the part, too, is that this idea of like, oh, well, we'll have community safety, safety through policing. And it's like, mm. well, we also have lots of evidence that that doesn't seem to work out too mm. well either, you know? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, there was this case like several years back uh, that actually I'm surprised that it doesn't get brought up or hasn't gotten brought up in, you know, the whole BLM or, you know, the recent like 2020 uprising was there was this case where a black man was trying to flag down the cops because he was getting shot at. People were behind him, you know, he was driving and he was getting shot at. He tried to flag down the cops and the cops like had heard like the shots and they thought he was the shooter and they fucking <laughs> murdered him. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, and there's so many examples too, just of general like the, 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 the police only have one response to, like, gun violence, and it's just, like, more cops, more patrols, more, you know, it's like, I mean, the m majority of gun violence doesn't actually, like, happen out on the street where it can yeah. be witnessed by people, cops driving around. And then the actual, like, the cops, the, you know, the, the gun violence reduction teams or whatever they call them, the, the gang units, like they're a huge source of violence. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, recently, like one of the, the, the cases that we covered was this officer. Um, it was like a, a note job bank robbery, you know, where you just mm -hmm. tell them the note mm -hmm. and you apply, you have to go. This is like most bank robberies. Most bank robberies yeah. aren't, uh, don't involve guns at all. And a cop like in the gang unit ran this guy down with his car. Like, you know, <laughs> Like, it's like shit like that. Or, you know, just in general, like the, the, the gang unit historically has been 
um, you know, this, this kind of like paramilitary unit, and like all they do is fucking go around and hassle black kids, you know, mm-hmm. like. Uh, like former members of the gang unit include like Adley Shepard, who was like fired for punching a handcuffed black woman in the face. Yeah, you know. It, uh, but don't worry, SP was allowed to rehire him with back pay. So, <laughs> uh, not yet. No, no, he actually that that got struck down. Like uh, he got struck down by a judge, so he's still like fighting. He's, I think he has a civil suit now. He's trying to get his <laughs> get paid for that. Okay, so um, we're gonna take. The rest behind the paywall, everybody. Uh, that's uh, patreon.com slash mechanicalfreak, I assume. Uh, that's where you'll find the rest, the full length of this episode where we're, uh, we're talking cops. <laughs> we, got, we got the cop heads uh, talking cops on the boat. Okay, so more cop talk coming up behind the paywall. <laughs> <laughs>